Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Worship is the human response to who the Bible has revealed God to be. We hold in our hand the Uh, self-revelation of God to mankind and there's a profound passage of scripture that we're going to read from uh, this morning and uh, this uh, passage of scripture is the uh, is the song of Moses Uh, it uh, has tremendous uh, tremendous uh, statements I have people ask me from time to time how do you uh, how do you continue to find things to preach on I want to tell you that I could preach for a month on just the two verses I'm going to read this morning because they're so profound and so uh, revelatory of who God is uh, and uh, what it is that he's uh, uh, about. Jeremiah mocks the worshipers of idolatry. He said, "You, you take a tree, you cut it down, you shape it, you fasten it with nails, you cover it with silver, with gold. And then you bow down and worship to it. And he said, that's total insanity. Yeah? And uh, you, you, you're absolutely foolish to do that. Uh, there, uh, there is a man, uh, and this man is named uh, Christopher Hitchens. And this man has written a book uh, that uh, is a, a popular bestseller. Uh, tells you how bad the, uh, the shape the world is in. And the name of that book uh, is God is Not Great. Now, now think about that. Here's a, here's a little pea-brained man. Uh, he's in the midst of God's glorious creation. And throughout history, uh, the best-selling book of all time, we hold in our hands, uh, and here this man has gone to the trouble to write a book, uh, and it's unbelievable, it's become a bestseller, is that God is not great. Well, I want to tell you, God is great. I had deliberately had uh, Glenn sing two choruses about that. We're going to sing another before we finish. But I want to read to you Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4. This is called the Song of Moses. Listen to verses 3 and 4. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth... Uh, And without injustice, righteous uh, and upright uh, is he. I want to talk to you about a God uh, to worship. First of all, I want to talk to you about the greatness uh, of God. Now, the Bible, Bible, as I said, uh, contrasts idolatry. Jeremiah uh, writes uh, and some of the other prophets write about the foolishness of idolatry. uh, And we read in Exodus 32 of the people of God came up out of Egypt uh, 
after seeing the tremendous miracles that God did for them in the ten plagues and finally the deliverance from the hand of their oppressor. Uh, and still we find them in Exodus 32. Uh, uh, the golden calf is fashioned uh, and we find them involved uh, in an illicit uh, uh, sexual orgy, orgy as they're there in Exodus 32 uh, and the curse that comes upon them uh, because they fail to grasp the greatness of God and what he has done. Romans picks this up in Romans 1 and verse 23 and says, In changed the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things and puts forth that here's the creator of heaven and earth and uh, he is uh, being uh, put down, uh, and his own creation is being put before him uh, and worshiped. Now, there's a major emphasis that we want to look at this morning, and it's in verse 3. Proclaim the name of the Lord. And in this scripture, it says, ascribe greatness to him. This, uh, this actually uh, involves an eminency. And so you're going to give honor. You're going to give uh, eminency. You're going to give a distinguished uh, uh, dimension to God for who he is. Uh, and many of our songs reflect that uh, because the name of God uh, reveals to us uh, his greatness. Uh, he's the creator. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1 says, God created uh, the heavens uh, and the earth. Uh, and as we begin to examine that, we begin to get some kind of grasp uh, of the greatness uh, of God. There's a song has been written. It seems to me that this was also uh, uh, sung by George Beverly Shea. Uh, and listen to this. How big is God? Though men may strive to go beyond the realm of space, uh, to walk beyond the distant shining stars, this world's uh, a room so small within my master's house, uh, the open skies, but a portion of his yard. How big is God? How big and wide is his vast domain? To try to tell these lips can only start. He's big enough uh, to rule the mighty universe, yet small enough uh, to live uh, within my heart. Now look with me at the Bible. Because when we begin to examine the greatness of God, the Bible says over and over, and just in my Bible reading this morning, uh, I think I read three different scriptures that, uh, that note and underline uh, how great is God. Uh, Psalms 145 verse 3 said, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, uh, and his greatness is unsearchable. Uh, or in other words, the psalmist says, I do not have words enough and my mind is not able to fathom and to describe uh, how great uh, God is. Uh, and First Chronicles chapter 29, uh, verse 11 and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, uh, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head uh, over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand uh, it is to make great uh, and to give strength uh, 
unto uh, all. Probably the greatest revelation of God's greatness has to do with what's known by theologians uh, as the seven compound names uh, of Jehovah, uh, uh, Jehovah our God. And so we have that found in the scripture, Jehovah, uh, Jireh. You know the story of Abraham with, uh, with uh, Isaac on the mount. And uh, God provides a miracle uh, uh, sacrifice. He's able to provide. He's a miracle worker. We find Jehovah Rapha who is the Lord, who is our healer. We find uh, Jehovah Nisi, who is the Lord, our banner. In other words, he comes to the point of our weakness. Uh, we find Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is going to be our peace and is our peace. Uh, we find Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is our righteousness and provides a righteousness that we do not have. Uh, Jehovah Shama, who is the Lord is ever present with us. Uh, and Jehovah our shepherd, Psalm 23. And the image is one uh, who takes care for us and does care for us. Uh, and just in those seven compound names uh, is enough to cause uh, Mr. Peanut Brain uh, to fold his tent and go home. Can you say amen? God uh, is uh, great. Going beyond that, we have to consider his transcendence. Uh, now, transcendence uh, is a 14-cylinder word uh, that means to go beyond uh, the dimensions and the, uh, and the limitations. Uh, and in the transition, uh, 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 or transcendence rather of Scripture, we have the wonderful revelation in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and there was not anything made that was not made by him. And then it moves on down and says these glorious words, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of us as of the only begotten Son of God. Compassing those truths, those words, are vast proportions of the greatness of God. And as he took Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and as they're there, he's transfigured before them, and he appears to be talking with two men who have lived centuries before. One is Elijah, and one is Moses, and Jesus our Lord became transfigured before them. His garments became glistering, and their shining and they're totally overwhelmed insomuch that Peter says Lord let us make three tabernacles here one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah and he says that because he's stunned at the glory that's revealed and the greatness of God in transcendence as he who made all things transcends and comes into a physical body and appears and walks among them. And he says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. There's a chorus that we used to sing uh, uh, in churches. And that uh, chorus is a tremendous chorus. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, uh, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. In Mount Zion on the sides of the north, in the city 
of the great king. This book is filled over and over again with not only the words of his greatness, uh, but the revelation uh, that comes of what he has done uh, and what he is doing uh, and the history of the greatness of God is recorded uh, in this book. I want to talk to you about the works of God because in this scripture that we read in Deuteronomy 32, the simple statement uh, is made, his work is perfect uh, and I want to talk about that for a moment. You know, a person is known by their work. I have no doubt that there are people here that you are involved in craftsmanship of some kind. You are a carpenter or you may be uh, uh, working in some kind of industry where uh, you have to perform and you produce some kind of work. And a person is known uh, uh, by their work. Uh, in America, there's a man named Donald, Donald Trump the man with the uh, amazing hairdo. And he built a huge building in New York City, and that building was built, was called uh, the Trump Tower. Now, he built that to make money, obviously, but it's very interesting that he wanted uh, his stamp upon that. He wanted to be known, uh, and uh, in uh, succeeding generations, he wanted to be known this was the Trump uh, Tower. In other words, there's a trademark that he wants put upon that. Uh, and historically, a trademark uh, is used for a description of quality. When I mention Rolls-Royce, uh, I'm mentioning to you a company that for decades uh, has been known for a superior quality of product, whether it is going to be automobiles uh, that are handcrafted, uh, that are superior and cost more than any person ought to ever pay for an automobile, or whether it's an aircraft engine that is famous the world over, these are, are stamp marks of quality that describe the moment I say pound sterling. I'm talking about quality. Can you say amen? And so when you begin to examine this thought, when God says in the scripture, his work is perfect, then he's describing something that has to do with the quality. Uh, 1991, my wife and I built a home, and uh, we had a, a man who's in our uh, congregation build uh, build that uh, home. And I want to tell you that uh, it was just the grace of God that we talked to him and got him to build it because we have many builders, uh, and I'm not sure the quality of work they all do. But this man is a master craftsman. And he not only built the, ter uh, the house according to our plans, but he gave numbers of suggestions how it would be better if he departed from the blueprints a little and added a few little things. Uh, and I want to tell you, when that was finished, uh, I could say concerning this man uh, publicly, if you want a house built, this is the man that can build the house. We have another builder in our, uh, in our congregation. He does some remodeling work and so on. He put a roof on our house, uh, our old house, many years ago. We lived 29 years in that house. Uh, he put a roof on. And I want to tell you, this man will not, will not do a job unless it's absolutely perfect. He will not do it to get by cheapy. He will not do it just simply to get money or that. Uh, but he, he, both of these men take pride in their work uh, that when it's finished, they want it to be known and their reputation uh, that this this is a building or this is a work of quality. And so here we have a wonderful dimension back to our text. His work, verse 4 says, is perfect. 
Now that word means complete or it has to do with integrity or it has to do with wholeness uh, as, as that. Or in other words, it's without blemish. And so here we have a statement and that statement is that God is doing a work and whatever God does is perfect. We have a pastor in Gallup, New Mexico. His name is Tom Payne. He was preaching in Zwolle, Holland, and, and Zwolle, Holland, uh, uh, the pastor there, puts us in a, a, a little hotel, a small hotel that uh, has many fixtures. It's a very old building, but brought up to date, uh, and it's uh, kind of like uh, living in another generation to stay in these rooms. And uh, Tom Payne was staying there. He at one time, uh, when he was pioneering in, uh, in uh, connected to New York, he worked as a painter. And he began to observe this room because these rooms had uh, 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 serrated uh, borders at the top there that had different colors of paint on that. Uh, The door had uh, serrated uh, outstanding molding uh, and gold striping upon it. And uh, if you actually consider it, it's one of these looking like an antique room. And he began to observe that and it dawned on him that this is not just a normal painter that painted this room because those lines, fine hairline gold trim, uh, perfect uh, coloring that went to the molding. And he talked to the owner and he said, uh, uh, pardon me, I'd like to know about who paints these rooms because it's so unusual. I used to be a house painter and I, I, and I see a superior workmanship in this man uh, in the hotel. He said, let me tell you about this painter. He paints our hotel when we need rooms painted. He takes an entire month to paint these rooms. And as he does that, he does an absolutely masterful job. There's nothing that's imperfect. There is not a spot that shouldn't be there. These gold stripings are absolutely perfect. You could put a ruler on them. They're absolutely straight. And he says he charges us $4,000 per room, and he does a perfect job. The same man does that. This is a master craftsman. Now, come back to our tech for a moment, because here's a statement made about God, who is our Father. And the Bible says that God's workings are an eternal work. He has an eternal purpose, and his workings, the Bible says, is perfect. There's no flaw. You can't find any fault. Uh, Romans 11:33, the Living Bible gives us an interesting rendition. It said, "Oh, what a wonderful God we have! How great are His wisdom and knowledge uh, and riches! How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His methods! For who among us can know the mind of the Lord? Who knows enough to be His counselor and guide?" And who could ever offer to the Lord enough to induce him to act? For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. And everything is for his glory. To him be glory forevermore. Now, look back at our text. His work is perfect. I want to begin to ponder with you about his work. What is God's work? His main work is the work of redemption of a ruined creation that Lucifer, a rebel creation, 
who allied to himself one-third of the angels in heaven and brought sin into God's creation in the garden and began to ruin that. And God's record is that he is bringing back that which his purpose originally created. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk uh, in them. And then Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 uh, picks this up and says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So what God is doing is a work for eternity. It's not the work of a moment. It's not getting back the, uh, uh, or getting beyond the present moment. He's doing a, an eternal work in human beings, in you and in me. And the Bible says that is a perfect work. It has no flaws uh, because he's doing a work uh, in both you and I. And it's eternal. It is not a work of the moment. In the book of Lamentation, chapter 3, 22 and 23, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a tremendous work that God is doing. In the book of Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14. I know that whatever God does it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he conveyed a tremendous statement that is one of the most powerful statements ever made. And that statement was that the work of salvation was finished. God did a work of redemption and presently he is involved and we are involved in receiving that and allowing that to be worked out in our lives uh, as God works. Philippians 4, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until uh, the day uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, there are people here this morning, you're new converts. You have just made a decision recently to... Uh, follow the Lord Jesus Christ to allow God to do his work. And let me tell you, that was not the work of a moment. And what he began in you, he will complete because all of creation is brought to, to bear if you simply open and respond and receive that. Because remember, God's name is at stake. His trademark is being put on what he begun in you. And he's not going to just simply say, oh, well, <clears throat> I felt that way then, but uh, later for that, uh, these people are, um, uh, it's not working out like I thought it was, so <clears throat> throw it away and start over again. I want to tell you what God did for you in that moment when you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, he will complete that until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to stop. Be encouraged. You say, well, but, uh, you know, I'm not feeling saved today. Well, that's why you should be here. Can you say amen? Because before you're through, it's my job to make you feel saved. And if you're not saved, to get you saved. Because God is powerful at work. Let me 
think for a moment about God's character because this is a crucial issue today. Character is a major consideration and a major issue in the day in which we live. We live in a generation when uh, people are saying political office uh, uh, is, uh, has nothing to do with character. Just as long as you can do the job. Uh, and we're living in a day when it seems like political office degrades character of many who achieve it. Uh, and they're saying to us now, character doesn't matter. Just as long as you can do the job. Well, let's think that through. We had a president in America whose name was Bill Clinton. Before he was elected, uh, there began to come forth uh, stories uh, and accusations and documentation that this man had moral problems. But the media wanted Bill Clinton in office, uh, and we began to hear over and over, uh, uh, character doesn't matter. As long as you can do the job, uh, uh, that's all that matters. As long as you can show up and do the job, character does not matter. And we soon found out that character does matter. Because this man disgraced the office of the president, even the office uh, physically he disgraced it. uh, And he spent most of his term... uh, uh, trying to rebut lawsuits, accusations, uh, actual uh, impeachment trials. Uh, and we saw in America very plainly uh, that character does matter. Can you say amen? We have just elected a president. This president who's just been elected uh, went for 20 years to a church uh, where the preacher preached hate America, hate white people. Still with me? preached this openly from the pulpit, uh, and uh, he stood up uh, with a straight face before millions of people uh, and said, uh, I never did hear him say that. Well, I guarantee you that if I say one wrong thing here this morning, it'll be on the blog site uh, before we eat lunch. (laughs) Are you still with me? This man has been in office less than two months. He already, as I could build both hands uh, with promises that he made, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this uh, of things he's already said. Well, the situation changed. I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, And uh, he no sooner had said the oath of office uh, until he released an agenda to legitimize same-sex marriages uh, and to give homosexuals uh, the same rights as everyone else and to protect them. And we knew that that's what he was before he got in. But the media would not print it. Many people saw it, said, well, it doesn't matter. He's not going to do that because he's saying this and he's saying that character does matter. If your word is not, uh, uh, is not with integrity, if your character is such that you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. Your character is going to matter profoundly, not only to you, but to your family, to those around you. It's going to matter in the long term to your church. If your character does not matter, then there's no hope in life. You might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, but it does matter. And I want to talk about God's character for a moment because the Bible gives a very clear record. Verse 4, a God of faithfulness. What does that mean? It means faithfulness in fulfilling the promises that he has made to mankind. God says that he's going to pour out his mercy 
upon her. How many of you need some mercy this morning? Anybody here needs some mercy? Let me see. Yes. Okay. We're in the right place today. Mercy we need. Let me read that text again in Lamentations uh, 3, 22 and 3. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, here is the writer of Lamentations. Uh, he's writing about the character of God, saying his faithfulness uh, remains. You fail, but God cannot fail because it's a part of his character. What he said he's going to do for you, he's going to do. Thank God. Can you say amen? You may fail, but God will never fail, uh, and he'll help you that you can overcome failure as you're sitting here this morning uh, and 31 times in the Psalms, uh, it says, his mercy endures uh, forever. See, the issue is trust. And trust in the arena of life is something we desperately need. Uh, we need a God that we can believe in. We need a God that we can understand the promise that he's given to us uh, and then cleave to that. Uh, and 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, no temptation is overtaken you except the, such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God is faithful, who by whom you were called into the fellowship uh, of his Son, uh, our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So what is this all about then? This means as we're sitting here this morning, we can have help. Can you say amen? We can have God undertake in the circumstances of our life. And in Hebrews 4.16 says these words, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then finally, that great passage in Romans 8, verse 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, the, the psalmist, the gospel writers... Moses, the songwriter and song singer, writes about this over and over again, the greatness of God. Time forbids us covering every facet of that. But what we're really talking about this morning is help for you and help for me. Listen to the chorus writer. How great is our God? How great is his name? He's the greatest one forever the same. He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. He said, I'm going to lead you. Put your trust in me. So the essence of this this morning is not only that we're worshiping the greatness of God, whose mercies are everlasting, who's doing an eternal work, but there's help for you this morning as you're sitting in this place and the songwriter and the psalmist has written this and that truth uh, will bear testimony for millennia to come uh, should Jesus tarry. George Beverly Shea uh, sang that chorus that we sang this morning, then sings my soul. My Savior God to thee, how great thou art, uh, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, uh, how great thou art, how great thou art.
Ascribe greatness unto God, our rock. Well, these are words, but you see this morning, that doesn't mean anything unless you can bring this down to make contact with and allow God's greatness to be released in your behalf. I want you to bow your head for a moment with me. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.